Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and this week I'm talking with Lucy Ritter. Lucy is a young East Coaster who for the last year has been on the first national tour of the Jagged Little Pill musical. She has recently made the decision to leave that tour and move to L.A. She hasn't been an Angelino for even a month yet, but already has work lined up in the pop touring world. We have some new content from some of our guests up on Patreon. We're featuring five transcriptions by Mike Malone, including Steve Gadd on We're In This Love Together by Al Jarreau, Anderson Pack on Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, and another recent guest, John J.R. Robinson on Rock With You by Michael Jackson. There's a lot more there, including a video by Bruce Becker discussing 16th note grooves three ways, and another by Brian Zach about jazz ride technique. You can access all this and the rest of our Patreon content for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash working drummer. So Lucy is just getting started in her career, but she really sees the whole professional field in ways that a lot of people don't, especially at age 22. I think her perspective is useful for anyone, but especially those of you out there who are around her age and getting started or trying to. So here we go. Hope you dig. Lucy Ritter. Let's just start with the move you just made. How long have you been on the ground there in L.A.? I've been here three. This is my third week. So, <laughs> so we're, we're still counting weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not a month yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what part of town are you living in? I'm in the Valley. Cool. Yeah. Um, and like, what have been your first couple of moves and your first couple of calls there? Yeah, um, I kind of came here knowing people and knowing the kind of situation that I was entering. Um, because thankfully, I'm living in a house with other people who are musicians and mm -hmm. who are doing the thing here and touring and in New York. And so... I'm, I thankfully entered a community that can help me. Um, there's two, I have two roommates and we actually have a property with two homes. So there's the two, three of us in the front and three in the back and they're all musicians. Wow. And there's a studio in the back house in like the garage. Man. So I entered a good situation. You entered a commune over there. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful they, they asked me to, to join the house and it, the timing kind of worked out. Um, for me with leaving my current tour. Um, but then I've also been kind of working this whole year while with my tour, which we'll talk about, um, in making connections with people in LA, specifically like music directors um, and and other musicians who I'd want to work with. And I kind of do that solely from Instagram. Um, and thankfully, people are really chill and responsive to me on Instagram and are open to doing calls and hanging out and getting coffee. So that's kind of been been the grind is reaching out to those people that have reached out to me or I've reached out to them can finally connect and talk about music stuff and then obviously the community I have here. So. Right. So like, you know, making connections on Instagram um, is all well and good, but I think a, a lot of people don't realize they also have to do what you're now doing, which is like circle back with those connections and 
actually meet those people in person. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, somebody, somebody following you on Instagram or even DMing with somebody on Instagram like yeah. that, that to me isn't a relationship yet. That's familiarity. No. That's somebody like yeah. knowing who you are kind of, but that's not creating a relationship with them yet. So yeah. talk, talk a little bit more about that. Like just sort of the, the nuts and bolts of, you know, reaching like first reaching out to someone on Instagram all the way up to sitting face to face with them over coffee. Yeah. I think that connecting with people on Instagram is very daunting for a lot of musicians past the surface level. I'm on my phone DMing you. Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing that I like about it is that I don't find it daunting at all. I actually like that find it very exciting. And I think it's great because I feel like with Instagram, if you can get in touch with somebody who you're interested in in working with or speaking with and they're responsive, like that next step of meeting in person is the whole reason you hit them up in the first place. And if you can you can actually get to that point with somebody, like then that's a win. Whether something comes of it or not, like you connected with somebody and and that put your you you're putting yourself out there like that, which makes you vulnerable. It's putting you outside your comfort zone. And that's a win, whether something happens or not, period. Um, but something that I I think I'm honestly pretty good at, and my my friends are always like, Oh, she's doing you know, she's doing it again. Can I do people? <laughs> Is that I'm gonna kind of on that on that grind of like I'm always gonna take it to the next step. I'm not just gonna DM you and be like, yo, I like your your video. Right. Like if I find somebody that I think is a really killer musician, producer, music director, I'm going to try once I'm in the same location as them to hit, to hit them up in the real life situation and show that I'm actually a professional. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've done here and already in these three weeks. And it's been great. And I'm never the kind of person that's like annoying about it. There's two types of DMers. There's like, For sure. there's the, the <laughs> chill DMing where it's like, yeah, like yourself, would you like be free to hang, get, grab a coffee? Like when I'm in LA, um, I'd love to chat with you about, you know, music stuff. And then there's the people that are like not chill and not like multiple DMs. Like if the person's seeing it and not responding, there's clearly a reason they're not responding, you know? So being socially aware of, of how messaging works. I think I'm pretty good at, at that. And that's a skill that some have and some don't. And thankfully, like I've been able to use that in my entire career for the past couple of years since it started. Um, and I'm, I wouldn't be where I am without social media, truly. Like I wouldn't have been found from my basement in New Jersey, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like, what was that? What was that process from the basement in New Jersey to the jagged little pill tour? Yeah. Um, so I went to Indiana University, the Jacob School of Music. Oh, wow. I, um, I went to Ball State. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Up the road. So you know Indiana. Yeah. It's, I, I do, okay. for better or for worse. <laughs> yes. Is that where you're from? So, no, I'm from Jersey, New okay, York City okay. area. Um, so, yeah, I went <clears throat> to the Jacob School in, in Bloomington um, and COVID hit my sophomore year of college. Um, so I went home (laughs) and thankfully I had a safe place to go. My parents have always been supportive of me with the drums. Um, they got me like drums when I was like nine, um, maybe, maybe younger. I don't even know at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, so I just set up in the basement and I had to do school like drums from home 
And what my, I was studying drum set that semester. I was a music education major. So I was studying with all four professors. Um, and what my professor made us do was like make videos because we, playing on Zoom sucks. Yeah. Like we just put it out there. Zoom yep. lessons suck. Yep. Uh, the drums are the worst for Zoom. Um, Facts. <laughs> so I was making videos and I just like sent them to my professor and he would critique them and whatever. But I kind of, and my brother was also home who's two years older than me and was a senior at IU. He also went to IU. He went for engineering. So he was in music school as well. And so we were both home and I was trying to figure out how to like record my videos, record drums. And Jack, my brother's name is Jack. He helped me because he was like, I have all these mics in an interface and I'm like do pro tools. And I was like, I don't know what any of that meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, like I just gotta make a video for my professor. He was like, oh, well, you wanted to sound good. So he like mics up the whole kit, overhead, snare, toms, toms, kit. And I'm like, okay, like I thought I could just use like my phone, you know, <laughs> so my, you know, and, and I know I knew about recording, but at that point in my career or not, I didn't have a career yet. At that point in my studying, it was like all in person and no one ever talked about recording. Yeah. And so I was like, cool. And he kind of, he recorded it for me. And I realized like I was gonna have to make videos all the time for this professor and they sounded good yeah. with Jack's stuff. So he taught me how to do it. He was like, you got to plug it in the interface and run it through this. So he made me download Pro Tools. Oy. <laughs> of all the DAWs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I tried Pro Tools. I hated it. <laughs> I hated using it. Yeah. I was like, I'd rather use GarageBand, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I was like making these videos. And then I eventually started seeing you know instagram blowing up with videos mm -hmm. and i made a few videos before covid but it wasn't like a thing i thought i thought it was just like a fun little thing um but then i was like oh people are like posting their videos because there's no work so it's becoming like a work right um so i just like started doing that while i was home and like i finished out my semester and i started posting videos through the summer you know, things kind of opened up in the summer and I was home. So I had my, my, in high school, I had like a jazz band. So I like pulled that back out of the closet and like booked us for the summer outdoors and like did all that stuff. Then I went back to school for my junior year and it was all like hybrid. I was home all the time. Yeah. Um, but I had some in person and like Brazilian ensemble outside on campus with 30 people and like it was just crazy and I was home and I had three other roommates and we were all practicing in the house and I had a whole my whole drum set in the garage of my house and I just kept recording videos I knew at that point how to do all the mics I switched to logic because I hate pro tools yeah yeah <laughs> and I love logic and I just kept making videos and um doing the school grind and then eventually those videos were becoming noticed and then my life just sort of changed and I started getting reached out by professional people. Right. Um, so this is, this is another um, jump that I think a lot of people don't make in terms of using social media. It's like, it's, it's all well and good to post videos of yourself yeah. playing. Um, and you know, I think there, there is a certain amount of luck involved in terms of things going viral or somebody seeing your shit, but 
there, there also has to be follow through on your part. Um, so, so talk about that. Like who, who started noticing you, who started reaching out to you and, and how did that develop? Yeah. With the Instagram video thing, like for me, cause I'm not an influencer. Like I'm not Grayson, like I'm not, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be because honestly for videos for me, it takes me so long to make them. And it's such a, it's a task. It's a chore. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I do a first take and I boom, boom, boom. Like the drums are hard to record and make a good video. It's not just one mic. So for me, it was like, if I'm going to make videos, they're going to be killer videos that I feel really good about that I enjoy. And it's going to be for me and a couple people that actually care and then it's like all the other people who are like yeah this is so cool um but it's not at all for me it wasn't like this is getting me a job i never expected it to get me a job i think that like you said it's because i was doing so much work at home to get a a a career in music because i was a music education major i didn't think i was going to play drums professionally at all Mm -hmm. um and where i grew up in new jersey it was very you get a real job and you make real money and it's a very, it was a wealthy town. Um, and New Jersey is extremely expensive and my parents aren't musicians. Um, but they're supportive, but you know, my mom works in it and my dad is, is a chef, but he works like a more, he's, he's not like a a chef in a kitchen anymore, Uh, but he's, he's definitely a creative, but I mean, it was, um, the expectation was I would become an educator and I was a marching band nerd i i marched drum corps after my freshman year of college i did spirit of atlanta oh cool nice. <laughs> um which was interesting yeah yeah um but uh yeah i thought i was gonna be an educator um so i i yeah so when you weren't COVID you weren't hit, gearing you weren't gearing these videos towards like this this video is gonna get me a gig it was just no a never thing to do and i don't and, think that your video videos should ever do that unless no. it's an audition video <laughs> right um <laughs> But the unrealistic expectation of I'm going to post this video of me playing to, you know, you know, Chance the Rapper is going to get me a gig. Like, it's not going to happen. Right. And so, like, I was studying marimba and timpani and snare drum. And and that semester COVID hit was my first time studying drum set at the collegiate level. So wow. I had done three semesters of no drum set playing. And I was doing marching band and wind ensemble and music education and I was studying music education. Like I was in class, my friends get a test all day long. Like I didn't have the performance grind of like practice and go to one class. I'll be in five <sighs> classes a day yeah. and I'd wake up at 6 a.m. so I could practice before class because I wanted to be as good as the performance majors because I was like, it doesn't matter that I'm music and I'm still gonna be better than you because right. that's like how my brain works. <laughs> and so I was like grinding because in the back of my head, even for freshman year, it was like, I'm gonna play. But I like couldn't accept that because I think a lot of people have this anxiety of like it's not a realistic it's not a realistic goal to have. Like I can't play professionally. I need to get a real job. And depending on where you come from, um, that's definitely gonna be instilled in your brain that like drums or music is not like a, a, it's not an easy path. It's not gonna work out for you. Right. So until COVID hit and that semester I was studying with Steve Houghton, who was, it was his last semester at IU. Oh, cool. Um, and he, and I kind of sat down one day and he was like, you love the drum set. He was like, you clearly want to do this, but you're not pursuing it. 
obviously as a major, which is fine. You don't have to pursue it as your major, but he was like, if you want to do it, just do it because you will have a whole career. And him validating that, like changed my whole perspective. Yeah. Someone, someone who did LA and, and toured and has been and is a notable educator was PAS president. Like someone who has lived saying that versus someone who is like, 25 saying that to me like it changed my whole life and i and one thing he told me to do and i and i tell my friends to do this and i do this he said make a five-year plan Hmm. and i was like how do i i was like how do i make a five-year plan i have no idea what a career jumps would look like for me and i think that's why i didn't want to pursue it because there was nothing concrete there was no there's no you graduate you get a job and and then you live a life it was like what do i even do so I, I literally went to like the library and there's massive whiteboards and I started like sketching out a five-year plan, like some Einstein shit. And I was like, <laughs> and I had all these different paths that I could go into as a drummer. And I realized that there were a lot more opportunities than I thought because yeah. he had allotted me, I opened a brain capacity that I didn't know I had, which was like allowing myself to actually think about the career and so i had like pop touring and broadway and studio work and 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 film recording and lessons teaching and 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 all like so many different things right and then when i got sent home and i was making these videos the because i had all these things in my five-year plan i was like i'm gonna hit up so many people on it goes back to our instagram thing so many people on instagram that are doing these billion different things because the jazz people like some of them are just the new york jazz cats mm-hmm. and they, and they play at smalls and they play at the vanguard and i grew up going to those clubs and i saw those guys and i was like i don't want to do that but i want to know what their life is like yeah <laughs> and then there's the broadway people and the broadway people are usually different from the jazz people i mean there's some there's some people who cross over and i think that's dope and i'm and i like being friends with those kinds of people yeah um but there and does seem to be like not not a lot of overlap between those two worlds in any instrument, really, not just drums. Um, yeah. And like you said, I think there's they're starting to be more overlap than there used to be. Um, but um, yeah, okay. So I continue. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm talking a lot, but it, it, I. Um, no, go go. And, and like reaching out to these people, and and it's what like changed my life, and I tell all my friends who are in their early twenties, like me, like reaching out to people because it's like calling them and being like, what is life like for you? It like allowed me to actually envision what my life would look like 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And because growing up, I didn't ask people those kinds of questions and I didn't have parents who were musicians that I didn't have really professionals in my life. And, And in the collegiate level, it's very school. And the professors, they can give you that kind of guidance, but it's like they're they're teaching at college now. So if you want to really know, and if you have good professors, they'll encourage you to do this. And so with COVID, um, everyone was unemployed. All the drummers hit me back because they had nothing going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hitting up like Broadway people, jazz people, jazz people who I knew I didn't want to be like, but I still wanted to talk to them. <laughs> Um, because I was just like, what? and also like, I feel like it's good to know what you don't want to do, you know, like asking, like, what's your life like? It's like, Oh, you get paid $50 to play at smalls. Yeah. Like, 
let's talk about that. Why are people not talking about that? Yeah. Like, and this was this was incredible foresight on your part, I think, because so many young drummers, like they they do what you did in terms of mapping out all the possibilities. Um, but they, they don't start thinking at an early age about what don't I want to do? Because, you know, we're all told from a young age, like you should be able and willing to do anything, like play any gig, play any style. And there's some merit in that for sure, in terms of getting experience and being versatile and and just working and just making a little bit of fucking money. But (laughs) Uh, like it, you know, if you continue down that path, you know, it, and it happened to me, it happened to a lot of drummers. Like you reach a certain age and you're like, most of the stuff I'm doing is shit I'm not interested in. Like I'm working, I'm busy, but um, I don't feel like a lot of investment in, in what I'm doing. So like, what was it that, that made you see at, at an early age, like, okay, there's a bunch of shit that I don't want to end up doing. I think it was, I like, like you said, I like a lot, like a lot of kinds of music, really only the music that I don't like or play is the music that my brother loves, which is metal. Um, I'm not a metal (laughs) head and I can't do the double pedal. I gotta, I gotta figure that out, but you know. Do you? I I don't know if you do. (laughs) I, I, maybe one day, like honestly, if there's a a session, but I don't, I don't want to be in a metal band. Um, but I, uh, I just, it, it, I like me. I like. I love music, and and that's not really the problem for me. I've always loved music, but I I was just there's certain environments that I didn't want to be around, mm, and yeah. there's certain honestly lifestyle. Like yep. I was like, is this a lifestyle that I want? And I think you could definitely attest this. It's like the grind. Yeah. Like I'm gonna be hustling around, teaching twenty students, getting paid a hundred dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred fifty dollars at a gig playing music that maybe you like, or there I learned the other side of the coin, which granted, like, there's, I'm not like crapping all over that, but I'm just saying that I think as musicians, we're like, I have, I'm getting offered to play, so I have to say yes, mm-hmm. and I have to just succumb to that my life is gonna be a grind and I'm not gonna make good money. And I was like, honestly, fuck that like you don't have to be you don't like i was like i'm not gonna be poor i'm not gonna like struggle like in the sense of like paying my bills and like eating food like i don't i feel like that can't be the answer so then i started i started hitting up people that do something that i i'd always thought was cool but i didn't know what it really meant which is like playing for beyonce playing for lizzo like doing TV work, the whole right. LA thing that I'm in right now, and Broadway, which Broadway is like lucrative. Yeah. Like those Broadway cats, they're like, yeah, I play the gig. Sometimes I don't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I go maybe 50% of the time. If I want more money, I'll go 100% of the time. Yeah. I was like, you know, hitting up people like that where I didn't know that, like, about I didn't know about Union like I didn't know Broadway had they're an 802 and AFM and like yep. you know they can call out 50% of the time and go play other gigs and they can like have a really high quality of life and of course there's still the grind and there's bullshit going on behind the scenes but they're not there that there's a difference between people who are playing on Broadway are incredible musicians mm-hmm. like holy crap like if you look at some of these kids like these kids they're adults 
Um, and there's a reason they're older because the, it takes a really long time to get a Broadway chair. And you and I know that, that it's, it's a grind of like working your way up. And there's the people that have subbed 20 shows and then they finally got a chair and then the show closed a yep. month in yep. and there's that part of it too. And it's like, there's never going to be a perfect, like perfect, like, Oh, I play the drums and I have this job and it's just like, pfft, unless you're obviously Carter on the Lion King and that's just like <laughs> never going to end. Right. But um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, you know, it's, it, but I, I was learning that side and then the pop side of like, Oh, you tour with Lizzo. Like how is touring with Lizzo? And, the drummer for Lizzo became my really good mentor and she still is. And when I spoke to her, I realized I was like, Oh, I want to do like that. Like mm -hmm. I want to do touring and, or, and like studio work and, and performing. I want to perform. Like I've always loved to perform. And, yeah. and that's where the mindset shift where it was like, they're getting paid like a lot of money and they're performing like every night. That's right. all I want. I want to go back to something you said about different types of music. Like, you know, we, we all like a lot of different types of music, but in terms of investing yourself in playing those types of music, they each come with um, sort of a, a, a per, not a personality type, but like a subculture, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. You, you made a great point about like, I, I might like listening to this music and I like, you know, I might even like playing this music, but is, yeah. is sort of the culture and the lifestyle that comes with dedicating yourself to that music, something that, you know, is good for me, that fits for me. Um, yeah. and I, I, I think specifically about, you know, the, like the jazz and the classical worlds, um, both of which I have experience in, um, and, it it was it was that for me like ultimately what made me move away from those things was that i i didn't feel like i had the right personality or disposition to thrive in those little subcultures yeah that's yeah that's like <laughs> you said it best and you you probably i mean you've had a career that has been a lot more things than me obviously i i you know i'm just getting started but i definitely I definitely like that. I something for me that I guess you could say that most people my age wouldn't even think about those kinds of things. I was thinking about just because of like growing up near New York City and going to the jazz clubs and stuff, and like then also going to school for like classical, like in a classical environment. Like I had all the, like the both worlds, and then I was like, there's got to be another world, and I definitely knew like there were certain lifestyle things, and you, and that's something I really strongly advise people to consider is like, do you actually like this kind of lifestyle mm -hmm. you know yeah and some people do like you know some people love the grind and yeah. like playing a different thing every night and um and you know we, we've talked about uh that dynamic in terms of where you live as well yeah um yeah uh you know some people are just cut out to live in la and they love it and they thrive on it and the same for new york mm -hmm. Uh, but others like, you know, I interviewed Mike Malone two weeks ago and he lives in Oshkosh, Wisconsin and is <laughs> playing his ass That's off, crazy. Day, you know? Um, so like who, who were, you, you mentioned the drummer for Lizzo, which, uh, what is her name? Her name is Michelle Baptiste. Okay. Um, who were a couple of the other people you talked to, whether they were people you wanted to be like or, or not. And like, what are some of the sort of nuggets that you you carry with you from that stage of hitting up all these people michelle it was definitely like the most like 
I wanted to hit up women specifically too mm. because I've never had a female I've never had a female drum teacher. Um and at IU it's all they're all four men. Growing up I only had male drum teachers. I had male band directors. So I didn't really have any women to look up to in terms of being a professional. And I think when you can't see yourself in the people that you're looking up to, it's really hard to like actually connect and look up to them. Yeah. Um, and, and it's nothing against my, my male teachers. Like they all were super supportive of me. But um, I think when I connected with Michelet and I felt like the warmth of her, her tone to me. And it was like, she, I think she felt the same as me when I hit her up. Right. I mean, it was, it was pandemic. She didn't have any work. She was in LA. Right. And it was like, there's someone younger who is interested in entering this world and I'm going to like embrace her. Mm-hmm. And I felt like really accepted by her. And like, if, the, and I was like, if this is what the industry is like, if I work with women in the pop world or in the LA world at this really, at this really high performance level, like I'd be stoked. Yeah. And that from there kind of set me off a path of like, I'm going to reach out to more women because I feel comfortable. And I also feel like I can actually envision myself more if I connect with women who are like me, I hit up Sarah Bauer, mm-hmm. um, and she actually got back to me because she was in COVID times. Yeah. Uh, we had a lesson and she was really cool. And every time I meet her, she's like super, like women love women, um, support each other vibes. Um, and then I, I hit up like a couple of jazz, jazz people just to ask about their stuff. Um, and I think some Broadway people, but I got involved with this group, uh, this organization called Maestra. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay. So Maestra, it's a huge organization that promotes women in Broadway. Uh-huh. So it's women okay. in Broadway for everything but performers, obviously. So it's musicians and technicians and writers and everything. And Maestra started like just before COVID, I think. But then with COVID, everything online, it like blew them up. And they did this thing called Maestro Mentorship. Um, and I, my high school band director sent me it. And I hadn't mm. like known anything about Maestro. And I submitted because I wanted mentors. That was like my whole goal during COVID was to get mentors. And so I got the mentorship and I connected with this woman, Dina Turiello. Oh, yeah, I've interviewed the, Dina. Yeah, she's awesome. And yeah. she ended up being my mentor. And um, I got to talk to her about playing on Broadway. And she's one of the only female drummers. Well, she's playing off Broadway, but Little Shop's like dope. Right. Um, and so she's like one of the only women playing on Broadway, her and Elena. I hit up Elena as well. Um, and Elena was super nice, and I met up with her for coffee. Um, but then Dina was like my mentor. And and that was really awesome because it was it was like a formal thing through Maestra. And Maestra now has like, I want to say like, maybe 8,000 women on their directory. Wow. It's huge. Wow. And it's really amazing. And I encourage all female musicians who are interested in Broadway, like when women, it, like some of the girls hit me up, I'm like, get yourself a maestra. It's free. Anybody can join who's a woman or, or non-binary, female identifying. Um, and you literally make a profile on maestra, like a resume. Mm-hmm. And people can hire you directly from there. So like 
and you put in like your your geography so like let's say someone's doing a regional production in new jersey and they want a female drummer they can go on maestra and put in like drummer new jersey and all the drummers who are women in new jersey on the directory will pull up it's awesome wow and it's it really and you know the whole movement me too and, and everything that was going on during COVID. broadway had a big shift which you know um and the music industry in general to like we need to not just hire men like broadway needs to like these pits yeah like we need to like get more women we need to get more people of color and maestra was like we literally just started because we wanted that to happen and then COVID happened and then the contractors which you know the major contractors which you're you have one i have one um they're like that's that's kind of on them right and it kind of people started looking at them like are you going to do something like are you going to make these pits more diverse yeah. and they're like damn this has been going on for 50 years and we've never had a problem with you know 15 dudes in the pit but now <laughs> if you have 15 dudes in the pit you're going to get some some shit because you should right because if we just keep allowing the same dudes to go from show to show we're never going to introduce uh, like other mindsets which the women's mind, the blacks, the you know, the black people, the Hispanic people, the all the Asian people. Like, if we just have a bunch of the same, it's never going to change. So I kind of entered at the right time, where it was like they were looking for women, and after you know, after COVID, the whole industry, Broadway, pop, TV, they're like, we need to get more diverse. We can't just keep being the way we are. Right. And so and my show was perfect for that. I, I want to say this is not just diversity yeah. for diversity's sake. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, the Broadway world and the pit world, but I think in, yeah. in any industry, in any hiring yeah. pool, um, you know, it's, it's not just about optics. It's about, you know, if you, if you open up your options to women and people of color, you're going to get better results. You're going to get yes. people who are better suited to the gig you're trying to fill. Um, yeah. Or at least as good, you know. It's not. It's not yeah. about uh, uh, plugging in an inferior worker just so you can say, "Hey, we're diverse." Um, yeah. It's about like giving yourself as as an employer, giving yourself more and better options. Yeah. Than just the. And white you'd guys. be doing that person a dis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you'd be doing that person a disservice if you hired someone who was was making you more diverse and they were not qualified. Right. Like you would right. be You're doing that person to fail. complete disservice. Yeah. And that, that was a fear of mine too. When I got pulled out of college to go on tour with an officer and a gentleman. Um, and I knew that they were like, the music director was looking for women and he went on Maestra and he found me on Maestra. And that's why I always encourage my homies to get on Maestra yeah. because you never know. And I know, I know the Broadway people know about Maestra because Georgia Stitt started Maestra. She's married to Jason Robert Brown. She is a huge, um, she's a badass. She's an MD. She's a conductor, pianist. She's freaking awesome. And she created like a literal empire of women. Like she started this thing. She works with a couple other really, really badass women. Like the few women who are conductors and MDs on Broadway are all like the head of Maestra. Hmm. And like they are, they literally like they're, they have like, they now have an office in New York city. Like they're a full nonprofit. Like they have employees. Like it's a full like organization that is like literally trying to make Broadway more diverse yeah. and better. And so I was at that like peak time where I did the mentorship with Dina 
And then I was in school, I was in my junior year, and I was making my little videos, just doing my thing. And I was had reached out to all these people. Again, when I reach out to people on Instagram and then I get the coffee date or I get the phone call, I still don't expect anything. And I don't think you ever should. And so I didn't expect anything. And I never I think with this career you can't expect anything, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You gotta And, and so yes. you gotta grind for it. And even when it comes, you still gotta catch your tongue because they could close it. Um, <laughs> because you know and so like i yeah i was on maestra and like i ran in march of my junior year like a, a music director emailed me out of the blue and was like hey i'm the music director for an officer and a gentleman it's a new musical we're gonna go on tour next year and we want you to audition for the drum set chair and i thought it was fake <laughs> and so I was like that had never <laughs> happened to me before <laughs> what does that say about like our culture and just internet culture is like you signed up for this thing and you created a profile and then when somebody <laughs> responded to it you were like this has got to be a scam this is a fucking bot <laughs> I mean literally like that, that's how that's how it is like uh, you you know like and, and, and also what does that say about like our industry yeah. it's like we're so doubtful of ourselves that yeah, when someone yeah, yeah. actually hits you up and is like, I want you, you're like, are you sure? <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I was, well, I was like, uh, does he know how old I am? At first I was like, does he know I'm in school? Mm. I was like, does he know I'm like 20? And then I was like, you don't have to know. So I just emailed back same, same day, which I will stress. Same day I emailed back, folks. Kids my age don't like to email back the same day. If at they, all. If at all. And that will make or break if you get gigs. I'm mm -hmm. serious. You can because yep. I'm not the best drummer. And I know I'm not the best drummer. And I'm not I'm not the chops. I don't have all the chops and the craziness, but I am gonna be on it with communication, precision, time, organization. And so I submitted I, I responded that day. I redid my resume that day. Wow. And I I read it everything. I stopped my whole day. The whole day stops. Yeah. When you get when I when I was like, like for not like now it's a little bit different, but like the whole day stopped. Redid my resume, submitted my resume, and I made a video that day. Mm -hmm. I think it was that day or the next day. I made a video, and he said it was an '80s rock musical. And it was a new musical, and I didn't even know about the movie. That's because my parents had never even showed me the movie because that was right. their generation. Right. I know anything. I was like, it's eighties, great. I played I made a Michael Jackson video. I had no idea. No Michael Jackson was gonna be in the show. Uh, I submitted and then and what I'm learning about this industry is like when you get hit up and you submit to something, like you better wait two weeks before you get a response. Yeah, man, God, that was <laughs> fucking torture. I <laughs> It's torture. I bet it's happened to you a bunch. Oh yeah, yeah, and especially with this gig on Ain't Too Proud, like uh, you know, it yep. was it was probably a month or maybe three month. weeks between the time I submitted the videos. Or no, it was longer than that. It was long. It was probably six weeks because I think I did the videos in June wow. um, and didn't get the gig until early August. Um, and it happened like not at all, and then all at once. Um, and we can we can get into it, but like yeah. I want to I want to hang a lantern on the fact that you like were Johnny on the spot with the communication, um, and it reminded me of something Q has talked about because I think like you you and Q have this in common where you're very good at reaching out to people, you're very good at creating yeah. these relationships, and just like you know 
making people feel like, hey, this is someone that I want to be connected to. Yeah. And like Q just, you know, becomes the mayor of whatever town he shows up in. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've talked with him about how like some of his friends, some of his colleagues, you know, like they kind of, they're not dismissive of the opportunities he gets, but they kind of attribute it all to his gift of gab, right? Um, and Q, like he'll, he'll, it's kind of a point of pride with him. He's like, yes, I'm good at this thing. I'm good at reaching out to people, but I still have to sit down and play the fucking drums. Play the gig, yeah. There's that follow through. And you, so like you were great at like sending out all these feelers and creating this profile and putting yourself out there, but then something came back and you had to have the maturity and the responsibility to be like, oh, I have to respond to this email now. I have to do my resume. Like that's the grown person type shit that actually puts you in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Q, yeah, obviously he's an amazing communicator and person. And like, he's been a great mentor to me too, which I forgot to mention him, but he kind of came once I got into officer and a gentleman, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean like the actual doings. And, and even when I was at IU, like, and I would talk to some of the drummers who are so, they're all so good. Yeah. IU is amazing music school and I loved my time there. Yeah. And we'd be talking and stuff and they like, Oh, I got this email from this guy who wants me to play this gig. Uh, I haven't responded yet. I forgot to respond. Then they tell me who the person is, and I'm like, why did you forget to respond? That's the professor that wants to play with you. You got to email your professor back. Like, you know who this guy is? Yeah. You know, he's teaching at one of the best music schools in the country, and he wants you to play with him, and you're not responding to him? Like, you know, and so, yeah, I was, like, on it, and, 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 I also, because I didn't think it was real. And so I was like, let's see if I actually get a response. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, I hit, and then and it was the waiting. And the, and the waiting is what I'm learning. I'm impatient. I am a New Yorker and I am like boom, boom, boom. And so when in this industry, I've become better than I thought I would ever be at being patient yeah. um, and trusting myself and trusting the process. And, and so I, you know, I, I responded two weeks later. I was asked to, you know, make a formal audition. I had to, you know, film a couple videos um, with some of the tracks, the click tracks that they made to some of the songs in the show. Right. And again, like, I think the thing that also sets me apart, like the professionalism has to be on every corner. It's not just like, oh, you can respond to emails really fast, but how are you articulating them? Mm-hmm. Are you a good, are you good at articulate? Like, are you a good writer? Like, yeah. do you, do you respond to emails in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's professional? Um, because some people don't. And then yep. in the videos, it's like what, it, like you, like I had said, I'd been doing this video grind like for a little over a year by then. And it's like, I was going to make a badass video at that point. Like, boom, I could bang out a video in a second. I had a black, you know, backdrop and my red drums. I kept them nice at that point. Like my bless my friends and my brother, they had, you know, I was really into it. And for my birthday that year, they got me studio lights. So I had like studio lights and, and, and a camera. And I knew how to like make a really good looking video. And I think, like, you know, when I talk, eventually when I got the gig and I talked to the MD about what they liked about my video and how I stood out from other applicants. And I know, I know who ended up like auditioning and I've actually chatted with some of the the people about it who auditioned for the same gig who are on really good gigs now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to say their names, but like are amazing drummers. What they really liked about my video is that I have personality and I have professionalism and, and, when I made the video, it's like, wow, you open that video. It's like, it looks really clean. Mm-hmm. And we, we listen with our eyes. And For so sure. it's like, 
as you're watching a video of a drummer and it looks like crap, you're like, man, they sound so good, but what's, why are there clothes in a pile behind, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you, it's, it's the cleanliness of it. And then we also like, you know, watch a video and it's got to obviously sound amazing. So, you know, the, the playing was there for what they needed and then it looked good and it looked professional. And then I was performing. Like, yep. do you want to play with this drummer or am I playing like this head down, looking yep. down at my pants, yep. you know, or am I going to look up? And, and one thing Michelet told me, um, when I was making the videos, what I encourage people to do when they have audition videos is do a, do a round, send it to all your people, get feedback and do it again. If, if yep. they think you should. So I did that and I said to Michelet and she was like, choose corners around the room. Those are your four bandmates. Hmm. Look at all four of your bandmates, bass, uh, guitar, keys, you know, vocals or guitar, too, whatever you want. So I did it again after that. And I, and it's also because even if you have your head up, let's say you have your head up and you're looking around the room, your eyes could be like freaking crazy because you don't know where to put your eyes. And it's awkward. Like yeah. audition videos are so awkward. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm playing you a track. <laughs> like there's nobody here, but I'm going to pretend I'm having the best time and we're like grooving together. Right. And it's really awkward. You have to be a performer in that sense. And, and you know, if you don't, if you didn't, and I grew up like actually acting and performing and doing musical theater. And so I like had a really comfortable stage presence and I love, and like, that's how the drums kind of intertwined for me because it was like oh i can like perform and play the drums like it doesn't have to be just like play the drums and like never be seen or on right. stage or anything um and so i like did that and it changed the whole video because there's a certain dominance to when you're playing and you're like you know i've got it in the bag like i have points that i'm looking at i know where my hits are coming yep. and that kind of confidence in in, in in like separate from the playing, it's the physical confidence of can you command a band because that's the expectation as the drummer is can I command the band? Right, um, and you can't do that. Like you can't look around if you don't know the fucking music. Yeah, <laughs> like you you don't have to memorize it necessarily, but like if you yeah. don't have command of that song and know what's coming next, it's like yeah, you check in with the chart you're reading, but like you you can't you can't take your eyes off that chart without a certain comfort level of the music. Um, yeah. And I, I love I love the idea of like, you know, delivering a performance in, in an audition video. Um, and it reminds me of something my brother said, like when I was in the process of doing my um, video, because it took like a week. Like you said, I went through multiple rounds of like getting it to yeah. a point that I was like, okay, I'm, I feel good sending this in. Um, and I was telling my brother about this whole process and, and he was like, it's, it sounds like what you want, like you don't want these people to look at your video and say like, yeah, I could see him doing this gig. You want them to look at your video and say he he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <He's doing> it. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's a confidence and you probably, you felt the same way and it's like a, it's it's so tedious to make those videos too because yeah, yeah. it's like oh my playing is great but there's this one spot that i don't like or there's this one thing that happened so so yeah i mean i made that video and i ended up waiting like you said i think a month yeah. a month till i heard back and then i heard back my last day of school <laughs> of my junior year oh my god um, it was crazy i and they called me which is like so 
rare now to like mm. get a call that yeah. you get a gig like yeah. i feel like it's like email or text or something but they called me and i was in like music theory on zoom um with my with my homies wow. at home and yeah they called me and they're like we want to like have you play officer and gentleman and i had no idea what i was in for um but i was so excited and then yeah i like played my black my brazilian concert that night and it was like guess i'm leaving like yeah. bye peace out so i yeah, I spent the summer. I spent the summer there, and for like two months, and then I went to, and I played like summer stock in New York, um, like a little theater for a couple weeks before I started officer, and that was my first time playing theater. I never played in pits. I had never done theater before. Growing up, I performed on stage mm-hmm. until my senior year of high school. So I never had pit experience. Like I was like singing and dancing and then I would go to jazz band after that. And then I'd do marching band in the fall. So I had a weird combo of like band and theater nerd. Like I did both. And in my high school band and theater was really well respected. And because we do paper mill, paper mill is like our local theater and it's a really amazing theater. And like we, kind of had like it was like competitive almost theater so right um, and this is another thing i think a lot of people don't necessarily know about theater work it's like you you don't you you don't have to have experience in a pit in order to get one of these gigs um no because it is it is a certain skill set but it's aggregate like you you know you you had never done a theater pit gig before but you knew how to read you knew how to follow a conductor um, you had played in all these different scenarios, all these different genres, like, you know, playing in a pit is, um, just a a collection of these things that a lot of people have in place. And if you don't have one of those things in place, it might not matter because like the people running the show might see you play and be like, this is the, this is the player we need. Like she's, she's, she's got the, um, She's got what we need musically and we can bring her up to speed on whatever is missing. Everything else. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because I definitely didn't, if you want, if they wanted someone with experience, that wasn't going to be me. And I think they knew like the, the pool that they had because it was a non-union tour of a new musical, which, you know, in this industry, that means low budge. Yep. And so you're not going to hit up somebody who's done a union tour before to do a non-union tour. Right. You're not going to hit up somebody. Yeah. Like, you know, you need someone who's young and is going to be like, so excited to do whatever it is. But then like, once you get into it (laughs) and you learn about the difference between union and non-union touring and the lack of protection that you have where you're on show 13 in a row and you're on the fifth one nighter in a row and you're sharing rooms because you don't get your own room and you know you're it's so different but i and the pay but like you can't even compare yeah the pay it's a young (laughs) it's a young person's game and a young person's game and And there's a place for it yeah and it's it's the place it's the place where people whether they're actors or musicians or crew like get experience so that they can go on to the bigger gig and like you're making mistakes still on a high level. So it's okay. And like, yeah, I didn't, I don't, and I learned so much. Like the trajectory was like, because I had never like done the whole click thing. Like I play with a click and marching band, but like in ears playing with a click, like yeah. if, and cause in college, like, well, and jazz band, if I had a local band, I wasn't playing with wedding bands, which I don't do wedding bands do like 
click. I don't a know. lot of them do now. I think it's it's more and more common for at least the drummer to have click, which I, I think for the drummer to be on click and nobody else is a dangerous proposition. <laughs> but yes. in, in short, I, like more and more corporate bands are, are incorporating click into what yeah. they do. But at the collegiate level, like people, you know, who are probably listening to this, who are like in college, who I was listening to this podcast, I have been listening to this podcast and I was in college, like click doesn't happen in college. Like you're not really playing with a band unless you're with like a pop, like you're at Berkeley, you're doing right. like the pop band stuff or like right. maybe you're doing a pop band, but it's, it's, you know, doing that stuff. So that was so new and like SPD and like programming and all that stuff and like because the show is new, I had to actually be creative and like help create the sounds and like yeah. do all that kind of stuff and and a lot of a lot of learning curves. But again, like there's a place and I think I there's no way I could have gone from college to Jagged Little Pill. There's no way. Yeah. Because this gig is like up here for my brain. Like it requires these these bigger tours and these bigger Broadway shows that are union or whatever. It. It, re- it requires a certain level of like not only skill but like brain capacity mm-hmm. like you have to be so on for so long yeah and you're also like you know you you and i with the click like our job is burying that thing for my show's almost three hours yeah mine too. so like it's it's a lot and like i definitely would not have been prepared if i didn't have those nine months of kind of grinding, having fun, but like I was playing with a click, but the level of like playing to a click and keeping the unit together and musicality wasn't like nearly as high as with this show. It's like every night you're like on, you got all the fills, musicality, dynamics, you're hitting all your cues. I'm running the click, which I didn't do on my last tour. I run the click on my show. Do you run the click on your show? No, MD does it. Okay. So I run it from like rolling pads. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have been ready. So I'm super grateful for the experience. And from that, I got found by my contractor who asked me to audition for Hamilton. So I had to do a Hamilton tape. Um, the same time that Q was doing that audition. <laughs> and um, so I made that tape, but that tape got me jagged. So I didn't have to audition for Jagged Little Pill because they looked at my Hamilton tapes, which all those same principles of professionalism were implemented into that tape. And when the MD from Jagged saw that, he was like, Boom. Easy. Like, yeah. And that's, I mean, when, when you invest, uh, you know, when, when you come at a certain thing with that level of professionalism, often, um, that, that supersedes everything else. Like you said, you, you approached your Hamilton, like, because you're, because you took your Hamilton audition so seriously, you did not have to audition for Jagged. Like they saw your Hamilton audition and they saw all the ingredients that they needed, even though it's just completely different music. They were like, yep, <laughs> she's, she's the one. Yeah. Um, and so theater how, stuff's weird like that too, you know, where yeah, it's I like, mean, they're all these shows are like similar, but they're different. Right. They're like very different musically, but they kind of all require a lot of the same shit. Are you still on the Jagged tour? Yeah, so I've been with Jagged a year, a year since August first is a year. So I, with Jagged Little Pill, we we just have a layoff right now. Okay. Um, we actually have layoffs a lot with Jagged Little Pill, um, but we had the entire month of July off. So because I had this month off, um, I was able to move here, and then the my like the whole like house thing worked out because it started in June. So I missed June. 
I've been moving in and all that stuff. And then I go back on Thursday, actually the 27th. Um, I'm going back for a month and then my, I'm going to leave top of September officially like September 6th. Okay. That was my next question. So like, (laughs) is the tour ending then or are you just, no, Okay, I'm leaving. Got it. The tour as a union tour is set through May. Okay. Um, and so I'm being replaced. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's part of the culture. You just kind of, you leave when you're ready or you get something else. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had a good amount of actor turnover. Um, and so like, uh, I would say 50% turnover. Yeah. Um, so the actors are, a lot of actors are leaving and actually we're, it's, I didn't know this, but the time that I'm leaving is when the principal contract ends. So you might know about that, but like the principals of the leads of the show, um, they're required to stay for a year and then they can either renew or leave. So we're losing three leads the same mm-hmm. week that I leave. So the show is going to be 180 on, yeah. a, you know how it is. Open up the load in Monday, Tuesday, literally four new people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that it's, it's kind of like, that's like the year and, and my contractor asked for a year and you know, that's what I did. And I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready for the next chapter, you know? Yeah. I enjoy Jagged Little Pill. I enjoy the Broadway stuff. I think, like I said, when I started talking to the pop touring people, I felt super connected to that energy mm-hmm. of performing on stage. Cause remember like you and I, you and I know, but Broadway stuff, you're, you're either in a pit or you're in a room yep. um, or you can be on stage, but um, as the drummer, you and I know, like you're in a box and for you, you're in the pit in a box. Yeah. More sometimes. often than not, I'm, yeah, I have a traveling ISO booth that, that travels with the show and that is almost always yeah. in the pit, which I like, even though I'm isolated in that box, I really like being in the pit cause I still feel a little bit connected to the other musicians in the pit and even the audience, like in some spots yeah. I can kind of see some audience members. I can see some of what's going on on stage. Yeah. Um, and that makes a huge difference to me. I think I would I would have a hard time if I was just like in a trap room all the time. <laughs> That's me. where you were. <laughs> I struggle with it. Well, I mean, the thing I really struggle with is like I started this show on stage um, with the rest of the band on a 20-foot platform. Um, teched the whole show, opened in L.A. Two months in, they cut it. And wow, they cut the platform in, in half. And they downsize and, and sort of, you know, what I've learning in my professional career is when you're at this high level stuff, whether it be, you know, touring or studio work or Broadway, like big, like stuff that has a lot of money, they will also cut so they can have more money. Yeah. And so they needed to downsize the show because they wanted to make more money. And so they wanted to cut down the truck, the number of trucks that we tour with the 18 wheelers. Right. And so... And in, in fairness, I think that's that's more about recouping. That's like it is recouping. And there's it's you know recouping. once once they recoup, you know, on a union gig, the musicians also get paid more after that. Like, but yeah, you know, producers want to make money. That's producers <laughs> want to make money. And this show, Jagged, had such a weird, a weird Broadway run because it got cut short, unannounced. Like they woke up one morning and didn't have a job. Um, and so it was a really sad close for the show. And this tour is sort of reignited Jagged Little Pill to the, to the U S because it had a really sad closing and people were really, it was pretty controversial 
how it closed and what happened with the show and the reasons it closed. Um, and so they lost a lot of money yeah. on Broadway. So they really recouping. They haven't recouped. It's been yeah. a year. Yeah. And they're still trying to recoup. So anyway, after L.A., they, they cut the band platform. They took away some speakers, some lights, blah, blah, blah. And my setup is 15 feet. As you know, the Broadway drum setups are no joke. And so I have a lot of stuff. And so the seven, my seven bandmates are on stage, but I am not. And so it is a struggle for me. Um, you know, I, I found joy in it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I so wait a minute. A like you, you were the only band member that got I'm the sent only off band stage? member that's not on stage. Ugh, that's a drag. <laughs> yeah. So I play remoted in a room. Um, the room varies city by city. I don't have an ISO booth. So right. I literally just play in a random room. Um, and I have a monitor of the conductor and the stage and there's, there's definitely pros to it, which is like, I can practice because when I was on stage, I was like vulnerable. Like I would, I would touch my drum before a show and like everyone would look at me. Yeah. And so I was, I was honestly nervous at the beginning of the tour. I was like, am I not going to be able to like practice or play or record or do anything? And I was worried about that. So the one benefit is that I do have, I'm like completely solitary. So I can practice and, and record and make videos if I want to. And I've made some videos and stuff. Um, and then, it, you know, there are some pros, like I can show up and wear whatever I want. I can go to the bathroom during book scenes and like, you know, <laughs> like I can, you know, have a snack if I wanted to, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I can kind of, um, but yeah, I definitely miss, like I said from the get go, like I'm a performer and like, I am not, uh, put me in a room kind of girl like right. I love to perform I love to be like seen especially like officer I was on stage um in this like li- it was like part of this. the band was kind of like Jesus Christ Superstar we were like part of the set yeah and like it was enough for me to feel like I was engaged and like I would sometimes get like fan emails like and it was like really sweet and I felt like you know like oh like uh, you know I'm do- but like for this gig like I'm smashing the shit out of the drums like working my ass off playing this rock show because it's it's the album down and right. it's like a rock album yeah um and it, it's hard to feel connected to the audience and to my band and and to and like feel like my work is being heard even though i know it is because i'll listen yeah. like i'll hear house recordings and it's like wow you can really because they mic you like really well like i yeah. have a lot of mics and, like you know it sounds really clear like you know when i listen to the board recordings but um, it's hard for me mentally. Um, so I've I've persevered through the year for various reasons. I've been able to kind of stick through it. And and Q, obviously, my he was like, you know, you you, you kind of owe it to yourself and your and my contractor, who's such a nice guy. And like, I wouldn't want to ever be like, you know, I'm quitting because you know I wanted to kind of persevere. And and I've done a year, and and that's enough for me with the whole room thing. Right. Um, I miss performing a lot. I miss playing with musicians in person. <laughs> so in terms of pointing yourself towards LA, like this this idea yeah. of like being on stage with on a, stage. You know, I mean, obviously LA isn't the only place you can do that, but it's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of touring acts. That's yeah. That's the goal. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah, and 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 I think with the Broadway stuff too, it was like. I, I wanted to go more towards music, yeah, where I was on stage performing and I know a lot of the pit stuff is not on stage and also like, um, yeah, less like scripted music, more like, you know, about, you know, yeah, I guess more about the performance and the and the improvisatory aspects of music. And so 
I figured LA over New York, just because like you said, the tours really start here. This is where all the labels are and the artists are and the rehearsal rooms are. And I like, I'm 45 minutes from Manhattan in New Jersey, like growing up. And so like, it was definitely a, like I, when I moved here later three weeks ago, I was like crying, like, yeah. cause it's like hard for me, you know, like yeah, that's yeah. my city. Like yeah. that's my jam. Like, I'll, you know, but it's, it's sort of like, sometimes you just have to like, if, if this is what I want to do, then this is where I'm going to be. And my brother's here too, actually. So it yeah, helps a lot huge. to have him, but it's, so like, it's, it's so different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could do a whole other episode about the differences between <laughs> New York and LA. And like, I have, it's not I've, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I've not spent much time in New York, but I've spent enough yeah. that I know I could not live there. I spent five years in LA, uh, and oh, know, but- know that I cannot live there. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of years, though. So you did five years. Yeah, yeah. No, I did it. I got, I got a good taste for it, and there was some <laughs> stuff I really loved about it. But ultimately, I was like, it, you know, it's like what we were talking about. You know, the culture of a particular music scene or a right. particular genre. It's like this LA is just not. It's not me. It's not for you. Um, yeah. But in terms of like, I wanted to ask you about Jagged Little Pill specifically. Because most musicals are, you know, highly prescriptive in terms of playing the same thing every night. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have a little bit of leeway to, like, kind of make that show your own or leave some room for spontaneity? Uh, and yeah. how did you do that? Yeah. Um, what's cool, because I was, like, the original drummer and I wasn't stepping in like you did with Ain't Too Proud. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was there day one in New York City rehearsals, like, playing djembe, like, and so there's, you know, Damien who wrote the book, like it, he, it's written, you know, I would, for my book and I think for a lot of Broadway books, but they vary depending. Um, like if you have the chair, like if it's yours and you're like the OG. So like I am the first national tour drummer, the original. Mm-hmm. I learned Damien's playing. I learned like from board recording, like what Phil C did and stuff. And I kind of just figured out what worked for me and what didn't. And so I'm really thankful because I think with this show, I do have a lot of creative freedom. I think of all of the band members, I probably do the most um, varying Mm -hmm. because like if the bassist plays a different note and it doesn't land, like, you know, she's going to get the bad end of the stick. But for me, it's like if I play a different fill, like as as long as it, for my music director is awesome and he's super like cool with, he wants us to be creative and like, he's like, yeah, play that bass. Like, you know, as long as it lands, we're good. Right. And for me, he's like, play that fill. And like, you know, and I don't feel like, Oh shit, I have to play the same voicing or the same fill every single night. I do because it's a rock show and because it's like, it's a pretty rowdy show. Like the yeah. audience can get pretty, pretty like into it like if i'm feeling like that night i'm gonna play 30 second notes then i'm gonna do it that night and it, no one got hurt right. good. <laughs> like as long as no one got hurt and you know so i've had i i do have like more um um creative freedom which i'm really thankful for because there's i know shows that aren't like that with grooves and stuff i'm gonna play the same groove every single night because jenny and i jenny's my bassist jenny which we did officer together and this show oh, cool so we're cool. like a little team and um i'm gonna lock into her with those groups like the kick patterns like there's certain things that like i'm really locking in with grooves fills there's certain fills like and you ought to know like you know there's that dun 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 got the good god like there's that really big fill going right. into the last part every single time like you can't not do that because yeah. people like you know with your show people know this album 
Right. Like this is still one of the biggest selling albums by a female artist ever, like top five. Right. So like, yeah, you can't like, and a lot of it, a lot of the drums in the album are like weird, like little like MIDI, like weird things. But like oh, there's yeah, certain yeah. things like you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta hit those, you know? Well, it's the same you know. thing with the Temptations. Like yeah. I, I can't start off Ain't Too Proud to Beg with a Pat Boone Debbie. Yeah. Boone. I have to start it <laughs> off with the six stroke roll. Like it's part of the song. And then it's, you know. 18 more six stroke rolls throughout the course of the song. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you can't not do those. But this this show has really got me sort of thinking about the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law in terms of what mm-hmm. the chart says and what the music is. Um, and I think um, in in most situations, if you have the trust of your MD and the trust of your band and the trust of the cast, yeah, you you do have that leeway to. Uh, create variations and not play it exactly the same way every yeah. night as long as what you're doing is in the spirit of the law as long as it, it you know is appropriate for the idiom appropriate for the song doesn't pull focus from whatever the focus should be um, and you know I don't think that's true on every show depending on what the music is and who the MD is like I, I think um, you know Q on Hamilton is like not messing around very much. And it's why I think it's the perfect show for him because he is so exacting and so precise uh, and just, you know, sort of uh, gets a lot of joy and fulfillment from that kind of consistency. But in order to get the gig, I had to be basically a carbon copy of Q. Mm -hmm. And then in order to make everybody feel comfortable in my first couple months of the gig, I had to continue Mm -hmm. doing that. But, you know, as as months went by, I got more confident. I earned more trust from everybody. And I started, you know, like I I have yet to, you know, hear a note about like, yeah, don't don't do that. That was too much or that was not right or that was, you know, but I didn't throw it at them all at once. It's like, okay, I'm going to try this thing here tonight. I'm going to try that thing there tomorrow night and or not even tomorrow night. Like next week (laughs) yeah Um, yeah no that's that because your situation like and i've learned that too like i feel really lucky to have been like the like you the the first drummer because you also make a relationship with the cast where it's like they really for the drummer like they really need to trust you yep um and that's why and i and people don't know this that aren't in the industry but like when they're rehearsing a show it's the mds and the drummer Mm-hmm. Um, no one else in the band is going to be called to New York City to rehearsals and wherever they're putting it up. So, like, I was there day one with the two MDs for, you know, three weeks, yeah. you know, accompanying. And it's like, you know, it's boring as hell. But, like, it's because the cast needs a beat and they need to trust their beat. And I didn't realize how important those fun- those three weeks were for the fundamentals of the show because I really have – and, and and granted, like my show like takes place in a high school, so like all the all the cast members are generally in their like twenties and they're kind of my age and like my kind of vibe, which helps too. Right. Um, but it was like really important for me to just be friendly. Like we're all best friends, but like be friendly with them and for them to trust me. And I see why like the drummers called from day one because that trust needs to be established. And then you get to check and the whole band's implemented and the cast like, wow, the whole band's here and then but there's still like uh, like but Lucy you know like it's like but Lucy you know Lucy's like doing this thing and like you know and like they'll even I sometimes have like kids come up to me and they'll like ask if I did something different sometimes because they're like oh I felt a little different here like yeah on. you know and it's cool and I really like that about it and and I'm so I feel lucky with this gig because I got to be I got to be creative 
I'm like the OG. I have a really good relationship with them. They're all like my age, which is cool. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it shows very like. In terms of supporting yeah. the song, like, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, you should support the song. And that's kind of an abstract yeah. concept. But it's it like nowhere is it more true than in a Broadway show. Like you have to support the song. You have to support the singer. And it's made me realize like I um, often think of my audience as the cast. Like, of course, the actual audience is your audience. But in terms of what like who I'm gearing my playing towards. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like I'm going to do this thing that's going to make Jalen feel a certain way in this moment so that he can like really feel himself on stage. Um, yeah. Or I'm going to bust out this fill that's going to make Elijah yeah. like hit sixth gear. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. you get to know these people um, yeah. and you start like gearing what you do towards helping them do what they do on stage. Because, God, their job yeah. is so fucking hard. I can't imagine. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it was it was so great to talk to you. I'm so glad we got to do this. And I, I would I would love to have you back in, you know, five years when you're doing the Lizzo tour or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I've got I've got some exciting things coming up actually with the, the LA thing. Um it's so already. We'll, already you've got shit going already, on. Already I do. I yeah, I'm I'm gonna be in starting in September I'm going out with and with an artist actually. So I'm really excited right after Jagged. And you can't say you um, can't say who it is, I assume? I'm not going to say who it is because I'm too scared because knowing the universe, something would happen. So, But yeah, things have been going well with, with the connections and stuff. And so yeah, after Jagged, I'm going to be, be out on a pop tour uh, for Killer. six weeks. So I'm excited. But thank you for having me in. I really appreciate it. I love the podcast, so I'm so grateful. I hope that what I I hope that you know the conversation is helpful to some young folks and old yeah, folks. Yeah, I mean, whoever, you you, you know. are you are among the youngest guests that that we've had. I mean, you might I be bet. the youngest. How old are you? I'm 22, 23 in in September. It's huge because like you're you're at a stage in your career that um that a lot of people are at and i think you're you're approaching it in a way that a lot of people your age need to know about um so and and, you know you don't take it from me like the proof is in what you're doing like you've already done two broadway tours you've got a pop tour in la lined up after that and it's because of your foresight and your legwork and your your follow-through and not just throwing a video into the social media ether and hoping <laughs> shit happens like you got to make shit happen so good on you exactly. good on you good thank luck thank you so much great to talk to you <laughs> thank you zach i really appreciate it there you go lucy ritter chops beyond her years at the drums and otherwise you've got a few more chances to check her out with the jagged little pill tour and follow her on ig i'm sure she'll be revealing what this mysterious pop tour is before too long Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with publicist Chris DiGirolamo. Chris is the founder of Two for the Show Media and works with many big-name drummers like Peter Erskine, Daphnis Prieto, Cindy Blackman-Santana, Bill Stewart, Steve Gadd, and many more. It's been through Chris that we've booked a good number of the drummers we've interviewed over the years, and he's been a great resource for us, so we thought we should talk to the man himself about the artists he works with, what exactly he does for them, and the whole marketing and media relations side of the music business. Should be a lot there. Looking forward to that. Hope you check it out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.